Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Mike on Money. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Community Wealth Management. And thanks for joining us again this week, where we'll take a dive into everything that's going on in the markets. And uh, as always, we'll tackle a topic, excuse me, uh, Biden's uh, $2 trillion infrastructure plan and package. <clears throat> excuse me. Obviously, we, uh, we, we picked this topic a little early, uh, given that it has actually not passed yet. And it is in the form of uh, negotiations. So uh, we are going to talk about what's in there, what they're trying to achieve, and what that means for the markets and investing going forward. So we'll, we'll tackle that at the end. Uh, but as always, uh, remember everything we talk about here is for educational and information purposes only. Uh, always seek the advice of, of a professional advisor. Do your own due diligence uh, before acting on anything in your portfolio. If you have any questions or you want to know more about any of the topics we cover, of course, just go to mikeonmoney.com. Happy to answer any of your questions uh, there. You can reach us in uh, all the normal ways. <clears throat> if you're watching live today, of course, this will be available on our podcast and on, on video and YouTube. Uh, but if you're watching live, just click that question button if you have any questions or any feedback in general. Uh, if there's anything, uh, other information you'd like to see us uh, present on this topic or other topics you'd like us to take a, a deeper dive into and, uh, and bring it to video for you uh, as we try to do these things. Uh, well, we do Tuesday live, of course, at noon, uh, and we try to do a Friday video once a week uh, on a uh, specific topic. So let's dive into what's going on out there today. It is day 397. I am broadcasting from my underground bunker, uh, which we have been doing for a while now uh, since the pandemic closures. Of course, we've gone into more shutdowns here in Canada uh, as the numbers start to soar, but we've touched on uh, the Canadian and BC situation a little bit. Let's take a look at the US. Down in the US, we are looking for that US consumer price index for March. So keeping a really close eye on uh, inflation, as we've talked about, you know, since the stimulus packages have started last year, uh, of course, it is a key player in the economic recovery uh, and potential slowdown of, of that recovery. Uh, so we'll take a look at March's numbers uh, this week as they come out. And the Bank of Nova Scotia um, starting their AGM, their annual general meeting. So that starts the uh, Canadian banks off on their uh, AGM season. So we'll see those coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. Stock futures uh, have been pretty steady. They've held in there despite the inflation, um, the inflation outlook that uh, we are expecting probably a sharper number for March or a bigger increase in March uh, over previous months, even though it's been creeping up slowly. Uh, but markets, uh, the stock futures have held in there. Uh, all the major indexes are, are still triggering or are showing uh, an economic recover, recovery, even with that to that higher inflation, which is good, which is kind of the outlook that we've been having. Uh, we're just keeping an eye on certain sectors that, uh, that will be hit harder. And of course, the bond rate yields have been rising as well with that movement. Um, <clears throat> other insights here, uh, quick fixes. So Biden agencies uh, has been out there reversing a lot of Trump's uh, Wall Street friendly rules. Uh, of course, 
when the Trump administration uh, got elected in 2016, a big part of uh, what they were doing was unwinding a lot of the restrictions that were put in after the 2008, uh, 2007, 2008 financial crisis uh, in the US just to make certain banking, certain um, dealings easier. Uh, and that included everything from EPA changes to banking structure changes. Uh, and, and of course, now the Democrats and under Biden uh, are in there, uh, you know, closing off some of those loopholes, getting more bringing back some concerns that uh, they want to prevent another 08 scenario uh, of a financial crisis uh, of, uh, of certainly of that proportion, especially in the lending world and, and the financial world. So that's going to continue. That was pretty much um, projected as we went into the 2020 election. So no surprises there. Uh, you know, the winter storms in Texas, you know, continue to have uh, challenges for different areas of the U.S. market. And now the RV industry, uh, you know, which is a massively growing industry in, in North America in general, just with the Asian population, uh, more seniors uh, like buying their RVs and going out and staying at these RV parks uh, is becoming more and more mainstream, especially with not being able to travel. However, some of the uh, manufacturing components, mainly foam, uh, which is uh, largely manufactured in the US uh, in Texas, uh, got shut down. So that's kind of shut down all the deliveries or a lot of the deliveries for the RVs in the United States. So uh, much like we've seen uh, supply demand around the world for all kinds of products that have increased in demand through the pandemic, such as building supplies, renovation supplies. Uh, now we're seeing, uh, and we're going to talk more about microchips around the electronics, uh, but also uh, even the RV business has uh, been under pressure for the supply chain. So uh, just another thing driving inflation as, uh, as, as some demand outpaces supply out there. Uh, the U.S. is going into one of their uh, bigger or one of the biggest uh, treasury auctions uh, to, uh, to restart its yield. So uh, this is new debt. So they're going to go out and auction off two, $271 billion of new treasury bills in the US. Uh, of course, looking for a rising yield there uh, in order to uh, sell that, that much debt. Uh, the yield will have to be pushed up in order to uh, create the demand for it. So we'll keep an eye on see where those rates land. Sorry, just lost control of my slides here. Here we go. Uh, so um, Biden's also facing growing republic skepticism around the infrastructure plan, as I mentioned. Uh, you know, he rolled out his, his plan, which we're going to cover here at the end. Uh, but it looks like there's going to be more negotiations. Even within his own party, there, there's some concerns over how some of that $2 trillion is, is going to be spent. Um, it's not completely uh, off the table. This is kind of both sides of the floor have been pushing for infrastructure improvements for years. If you remember back in 2016, even the Trump campaign uh, was pushing heavily on investment in infrastructure. The US is renowned for being behind the rest of the world as far as the quality of the infrastructure and the expansion of the infrastructure uh, and also in the types of technologies they're using. Uh, so this has a lot of support, but of course, with the situation going on in the Senate down in the United States, uh, everyone wants their own uh, little twist to it. Uh, so there will be a lot of back and forth before I think we see this go through. Um, you know, 
it's funny, the tale of two tapers. Uh, so this is, you know, just a different focus on different Fed. Eight years ago, Jerome Powell uh, was still a rookie as a Fed, uh, Federal Reserve governor. Uh, and he surveyed the U.S. job market and declared that they declared the super uh, the central bank, sorry, um, were ready to reduce the support for the economy. It rolled out through the 07 to 09 financial crisis. Uh, you know, now he's dialing that back. So just change in economic times, change in views. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on exactly what they go ahead with as far as those uh, the supports for the economy uh, and how much the economy is going to grow on its own uh, as we come through this recovery. The U.S. budget deficit hit a record high for March uh, as aid payments go out. So this is just those checks that uh, the Biden administration promised. The $1,400 stimulus checks went out. Uh, it was a $660 billion record month for deficit. Uh, th those dollars uh, were meant to be a one-time uh, spend, so hopefully not a reoccurring or ongoing uh, records as far as the deficit goes, but it does put pressure on the, uh, the U.S. Uh, debt management going forward. Uh, they've broken all kinds of records in 2020. Of course, their, their debt exceeding GDP, uh, which is supposed to be a breaking point for countries. It wasn't, uh, which was good. Um, but now they have the big challenge of what they're going to do moving forward, and that is part of the stimulus package of how all this is going to be paid for, and we'll cover that off here in a moment. U.S. consumers raise their outlook on inflation. So this is just more and more consumers are starting to see expectation and are starting to expect it to continue to rise uh, as, uh, as these stimulus packages roll out. So nothing new as far as the discussion goes, uh, but we are obviously monitoring quick, uh, very closely how quickly that inflation rises because that will have an impact uh, on the markets in the long run. Uh, of course, we need to see the economy recovering faster that inflation is growing because eventually we will have to see interest rates rise to offset that inflation. Uh, they do have a lot of arrows in the quiver that they're using to uh, slow inflation down without raising interest rates. If you remember, we are looking into hopefully into 2022 before we see those rates rise. And, uh, and if they can stay off, save off inflation long enough or stave off the growth of inflation long enough to get to 2022, Hopefully the economies now have enough momentum that they can absorb a little bit of uh, interest rate hikes uh, and continue to grow or at least uh, continue to remain stable without rising interest rates set in the markets into another recession. BC, of course, we're into our third wave of COVID. Uh, the numbers uh, here have been growing. Uh, Ontario set in all kinds of records. Uh, the hospitalization rates in BC are at all time highs. Um, not uh, the, the ICU uh, numbers are getting to all-time highs. Uh, we're hoping, uh, I know that um, Dr. Henry came out yesterday hoping to not have any further restrictions put into place uh, that they've already rolled out. Uh, however, you know, the numbers continue to, to get worse. So the expectation, I think, from a lot of experts out there are things will probably get a little tighter in the province. Uh, obviously very concerned that, you know, the original, I think it was April 18th or 19th uh, for these restrictions uh, was supposed to be the expiry date. Um, you know, we're already the 13th today uh, and, and numbers are worse than ever. So, uh, you know, are, is it going to be extended beyond that mid-April date? Probably likely, um, but we're keeping a very close eye on that. The good news, the, of course, the vaccine rollout continues. 
I heard, and I have not seen an official announcement yet, but I did hear yesterday that they plan to, um, that they're at age 55 in BC, I think, today, uh, and uh, age 50 uh, by Wednesday this week. So I hoping to be better on the list sooner than later. If you're not aware, you can go register uh, regardless of your age. You can go on the website and register. Um, you need your uh, BC care number uh, and of course your postal code just to say what area you're in and contact information. Uh, and uh, it will text or email you whichever you prefer uh, when you come the, when you become eligible for the vaccine. So uh, you can go register at any point in time. Uh, and, uh, and the system uh, is supposed to, I've not experienced it yet, but the system is supposed to notify you as soon as your area and your age group is eligible to book for the vaccine. So uh, I encourage everybody to do that. If you do have uh, uh, an address on your know, driver's license or a utility bill in Whistler, age 18 and up, you can go register and you can uh, go get the vaccine there. Uh, they, they've had a big outbreak, of course, of the variant up in Whistler. Uh, so they've opened that up for all age groups. And, and, and I think most of the numbers they've seen there has been in the younger age groups. So that's why they've opened it from 18 plus. So, uh, so more and more of the vaccines being rolled out, hopefully to slow down and, and, and cut off this third wave. Uh, we are now officially in Canada, uh, more infection per million uh, uh, population than the U.S. is. So we, we've, we've now surpassed the U.S. in those numbers, which is not a, not a first place that you want to have. So let's take a look at the U.S. markets. As I mentioned, the U.S. Labor Department uh, has come out to release their, their data, uh, the Consumer Price in Index this week. Uh, we are expecting it to rise, you know, trending towards that two and a half percent. Uh, rise jumping up from 1.7%, which was uh, early in February. Um, food and energy components being the most volatile. 3% uh, is kind of the cap that any of the central banks really want to see. Uh, and that's where they, you know, really when that interest rate uh, power or, or tool comes into play. So uh, it is creeping up a lot faster. Uh, hopefully they can slow it as they go into the spring and summer months uh, with other tools. The, uh, the state-run uh, state Fed banks are having a conference, a roundtable uh, in Ohio, uh, again, just to talk about how they're going to stimulate the economy, how they're going to create jobs, uh, you know, looking at all the states are basically running these, the, the Chamber of Commerce is being involved. Uh, they're actually interested in me to read about, you know, to see the different ideas and how the different regions are dealing with uh, trying to stimulate economic recovery and, uh, and turn around. And really this is gonna lead into what we're gonna talk about is that infrastructure bill, because it's not just infrastructure, but it's also around uh, stimulating uh, economies, stimulating new jobs, and that we're gonna cover off as well. Uh, in the US also, Microsoft uh, announced that they're going to buy an AI firm, Nuance Communications, for about $16 billion. And this could be the push into healthcare uh, this leads right into, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about disruptive technologies um, or innovative technology. Uh, healthcare was uh, in there. Of course, AI is in there. Um, you know, the healthcare industry, I've talked about many times, uh, existing technologies now being applied. And this was really pushed forward by the pandemic of, of, of bringing technology into healthcare, using it more effectively, using it more efficiently, 
more efficient for doctors, more efficient for patients, uh, very much so, especially for the more rural uh, um, parts of the, of the countries, uh, but also for those who are mobility impaired, right? A lot of, a lot of people and elderly can't, you know, going to the doctors all the time uh, is not that easy. Uh, and be able to do that remotely or do that virtually uh, is a massive growth area. Uh, and of course, we're seeing uh, Microsoft making a big investment into that, uh, into that with this recent purchase. Uh, and here in Canada, of course, TELUS has uh, been doing it for several years now. We've been buying up a lot of these private uh, and applying technology, private medical uh, clinics and uh, applying technology to it uh, to bring that um, more to the, uh, to the forefront of their offering as well. So we are looking for a lot of expansion in that area. Alibaba in China is shrugging off a $2.75 billion antitrust fine. Uh, Alibaba, of course, is the Amazon of China. Um, $2.5 billion, obviously uh, a big number, but not really for the types of numbers that, uh, that they produce as, as far as revenues go. Uh, so uh, this was an antitrust uh, crackdown in China. Uh, so uh, they're pushing to overhaul how, the, uh, how they deal with merchants. Uh, not much difference from some of the cases against Amazon of how they deal with merchants, uh, you know, accusations of, uh, you know, copying or using the merchant data in order to uh, favor um, Amazon's own uh, sales over the, the merchants. Uh, so very much so what we're seeing Amazon in court for uh, Alibaba was fined with 2.75 billion. Uh, and uh, they're just going to pay that and move forward. Maybe they'll, uh, maybe we'll make some changes. Maybe we'll see them back in the court again. You know, doesn't these big fines don't seem to slow down these these economic giants uh, that much these days? GM is moving to increase its marketing spend. Of course, when we went into the pandemic last year, one of the first areas uh, that uh, companies cut uh, was marketing dollars, uh, especially advertising dollars. Uh, now, a lot of that was shifted to digital and e-commerce uh, e and, and uh, online uh, advertising, uh, but there was a big slash to the promotional budgets. GM is now starting to increase that again as they see themselves coming out of the pandemic and more and more uh, things opening up in the U.S. Um, this year. NVIDIA, uh, of course, the video card uh, maker, if you're a gamer, you know them really well. They're the the elite of the Cadillac for video cards and gaming computers. Uh, no surprise, they went out and bought ARM uh, last year. We talked about this, I think, in late 2020, uh, that there was there was a Lumen a chip battle coming between the manufacturers. Of course, Apple has started making their own microprocessor, moving away from Intel. Uh, Intel's, you know, which is kind of at the forefront uh, of the CPU um, industry or, or supply. Uh, NVIDIA, which was the GPU, of course, your graphic card, uh, but they bought ARM technologies last year and, and now are making a play to move into the, the main CPU market. Um, and of course, more competition. Uh, Intel's adding a layer of complexity with, you know, an antitrust review uh, of, their, of the deal of buying ARM, you know, seeing that, you know, the unfair competition. Uh, this is going to be a war I think we're going to see over um, uh, from all the chip manufacturers, which leads into the next point that the White House is actually, you know, having a lot of meetings because there's a chip shortage right now. 
Uh, we're seeing delays in, in delivery of, uh, especially on the higher end electronic equipment, those gaming computers I mentioned, uh, you know, you can't get the latest cards, uh, graphic cards for them, or even the CPUs. Uh, so there's a big market in selling previous uh, versions or, or obsolete um, technology, perhaps, or, or last generation technology, at least, uh, just to meet some of the demand out there for uh, computer equipment and gaming equipment. And of course, this has been driven not just from the pandemic shutdown, uh, but people shifted behavior. So uh, the pandemic, of course, shifted more people at home. Uh, more people started playing video games, getting interested in. And those habits uh, for a lot of people are continuing past the reopening or past the pandemic. Uh, not that they were past the pandemic yet, but uh, you know, uh, the habits, spending habits and uh, different habits have changed uh, moving forward. So there is a shortage out there in the chips and the White House is trying to deal with how they can get that supply into the US in order to uh, meet some of that demand. Coming up again, as I mentioned, the banks are starting their AGM season, starting with Bank of Nova Scotia. We'll, so we'll start to see what their outlooks are. Uh, business sentiment is improving as firms look past the pandemic, uh, according to Bank of Canada. Uh, so the optimism is uh, is getting stronger. Uh, this is not just for business recovering, but new businesses uh, coming out. Um, you know, we, we mentioned last year, you know, kind of seeing the pandemic as a bit as a wildfire, a horrible, tragic event, but out of that does bring new growth. Uh, so it took out some of the uh, uh, some of some of the companies out there, and some of the sectors were hit very, very hard. Uh, but that in an innovative technology and new opportunities have is starting to present itself, and we're starting to see that. So uh, we do see a lot of opportunity in that that new growth coming out in the economies this year. Uh, the New York Pension Fund is divesting seven million dollars from the oil sands uh, from investment in oil sands. So seven million dollars doesn't sound like a lot on these pension funds, and I have sat on the board of our UK uh, investment management uh, uh, committees, and uh, seven million dollars in Canada for them is probably a big percentage. Uh, a, a lot of times, uh, US and the UK don't see uh, don't see Canada as a big place to invest. Uh, and so, so but uh, the main driver behind this is, as we've talked about is that SRI, socially responsible investing, or uh, ESR uh, investing, uh, really just set a new policy saying they're not going to invest into uh, companies that aren't willing or aren't prepared to transition to a low carbon future. And, and they see the oil sand, uh, six of the large Canadian oil sand companies, uh, not making enough investment into that transition. So they're gonna pull out uh, this is something we're seeing in pensions around the world, uh, even in Canada, uh, in Europe, very much so in Europe. Uh, more and more, they're putting in policy to be more socially responsible with their investment practices. Uh, BMO's out there selling some assets. Their their EMA asset management uh, division. Um, this is uh, one of their uh, their international uh, investment uh, divisions. They're selling to Amerprise for 1.1 billion. And this is just a refocus back on North America. So this was a non-core uh, arm that they had uh, kind of bought up and, and, and built out over the years and uh, just it became non-core and um, just not bringing in the revenues that they were hoping for. So they're gonna refocus that money onto the North American market. 
TransCanada Energy uh, has requested information on renewable power proposals uh, for its, its pipelines. So uh, TransCanada, of course, was caught up with the Keystone uh, expansion into the US, and now they're looking into ways that they can diversify that business into some of the green energy uh, money that's going to be spent in the US uh, under Biden's new infrastructure plan, which we're going to take a look at here. Of course, on the, uh, the Forex front, the US dollar strengthened slightly. Uh, last week, as the markets flattened a little bit, uh, you know, of course, it's always the safe trade uh, and uh, traders off, of course, eyeing a little bit of that latest inflation data. Bitcoin rose by 3% to a record trading at 62,500 uh, 62, US apiece. Uh, and the continued strength in the cryptocurrencies and more and more money flows into um, the ETFs and funds that have now made it very available for people to access cryptocurrencies. Uh, you know, I was told the other day, someone asked my opinion uh, on Bitcoin. I'm sure you've all heard it. Uh, but someone mentioned the other day that they thought older people uh, were against cryptocurrencies versus younger people much more accepted. And maybe that's true. Uh, but I still, you know, as you all know, I still see a bit of challenge around the regulatory market uh, uh, and money laundering issues for any country globally uh, to use cryptocurrencies as mainstream. Uh, and, and this is, you know, definitely being driven by a supply demand issue. As we mentioned, the uh, 10 year bond uh, notes ticked up slightly uh, as we're looking at the inflation numbers. On the commodity front, we've seen oil hold some modest gains uh, as, as Europe and Chinese economic data, data continues to flow out and watching for OPEC's monthly market report. So pretty much steady, steady things go on the oil front. Uh, we did see a bigger uptick a couple of weeks ago and that was on the outlook that demand was uh, showing some increase uh, or at least telegraphing some increase uh, from the OPEC plus meetings. And uh, we're waiting to see those numbers come to fruition. Gold edged down slightly ahead of inflation data, uh, but luckily we'll see so they can jump up a little bit as those numbers come out, if they uh, come out higher as we expect. Let's take a look at the uh, Biden's economic plan. So now, or infrastructure plan. Now, as I mentioned, this has not been approved, so it's not uh, moving forward in this fashion. But let's take a look at what, what it looks like and what it means for investing. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before, the United States is one of the wealthiest countries in the world, yet it ranks 13th when it comes in the overall quality of infrastructure. Uh, and this has been decades in the making. Uh, this has been uh, both sides of the aisle have talked about spending more money on infrastructure and creating more jobs. This is uh, the Democratic Party's uh, attempt to bring that to fruition. So what the plan looks like, the $2 trillion, $621 billion is going to be sent on roads, bridges, and public transportation, rails, ports, waterways, uh, airports, and electric vehicles to improve air quality. Uh, and reduce construct, uh, sorry, congestion and limit greenhouse gas emissions. So it's more detailed than that in, in the sense it's, it's actually kind of a very well thought out, um, you know, intricate plan. And when I say intricate, meaning uh, it's got a lot of great concepts behind it. Uh, there's a lot of different moving parts and it's very regional specific uh, on trying to build more transit, uh, more rail, uh, basically trying to get more cars off the road uh, so in a lot of cases, building roads, but not necessarily expanding the roads, uh, moving people to more efficient ways of, of getting around the country. So it, 
it's it's innovative. It's it's interesting. I think it's very forward looking. Of course, it's not as easy as just saying, "Hey, go make the this road bigger, or build that highway bigger." Um, so uh, there's a lot more details that have to be um, built out into this, and a lot more work with the individual regions because uh, every region is going to have a different need and a different plan. Four hundred billions moving to bolster care caregiving for the aged and disabled uh, Americans. Maybe not always seen as infrastructure, but obviously support for your aging population, uh, which we know uh, is growing with the, the baby boomers uh, getting older. And obviously the pandemic showed the massive need for support um, and, and better quality uh, of caregiving for uh, the, the, the elderly and the disabled as they were massively affected by the pandemic, um, not having the, the uh, support and care that they need, the number of caregivers in each facility and the ability to, um, to control the pandemic within those facilities. So a lot of money moving into that. 300 billion uh, moving towards, it's funny saying uh, hundreds of billions over and over again, but a 300 billion moving to boost in manufacturing and specifically uh, semiconductor medical and clean manufacturing. So this and a couple other ones I'll, I'll, I'll point out, you know, really goes to, I think, a for, again, a very forward thinking plan uh, of investing in future technologies because uh, the last administration, I think one of the biggest things they did wrong was focus on, you know, whether it was coal or oil um, and coal being a really good example because they're further, they're further down uh, the demise of a sector than oil is, uh, but oil is certainly trending that way in the sense that you can invest billions and billions of dollars to try to bring back jobs, but they're not going to last because the sector is naturally decreasing. It's naturally shrinking. I think the best example I saw in coal was the, uh, and I can't remember which state it's in, uh, you can easily Google it, but the, 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 the National uh, Coal Museum in the United States, I think it was in 2018, uh, or maybe a little bit sooner, switched to solar power. So nothing says that the technology you're talking about is obsolete or, or out of date more than um, the museum that, 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 that's there to represent it, a switch to a newer technology. So, uh, so this, and the challenges with putting all that money in is you're investing money uh, in a sector to try to create jobs immediately, but they're not lasting jobs. Those jobs are going to decrease over time, regardless of what you do, um, whether to, you know whether it's technology advancement within that sector, or whether it's um, um, you know moving to new technologies. So spending money into the economy to increase manufacturing around high tech, new tech, that disruptive technology, that innovative technology. Uh, medicine, medical advancements, and clean manufacturing, you know, all those things are going to be jobs that are going to be around for a long time and, and very likely growing the increase in the number of jobs in those sectors uh, as we move forward. So spending money into things like that is, is you know, really, uh, really looking forward to what you're trying to achieve here, which is strengthening the economy, not just today, but in the future as well. 213 billion going towards uh, building renovation and retrofitting over 2 million uh, homes and housing units throughout the United States. And this is, again, bringing up the quality standard of living uh, to, and safety, uh, which leads into you know, a couple other ones we're gonna talk about here when we talk about quality of water and things like that. 
180 billion to advance U.S. leadership in critical technologies. So this again, going back to uh, bringing U.S. to a forefront of, in, the, in the global uh, aspects, lead in the globe in certain technologies, upgrading research infrastructure, establishing the U.S. as a leader in climate science, which is you know when we talk about energy. Uh, you know, whether you're talking about oil, gas, coal, or anything else, it is a massive industry. Energy is massive globally. And uh, to be on the forefront of what's going to be the future of energy is vital for an economy like the United States. To fall behind like they did in the last four years, uh, I think was setting them up for failure in the long term. Uh, and this is hopefully getting them back on the right track as far as uh, creating jobs, creating opportunity in, in a massive economic sector um, that, that the U.S., has historically led it. 111 billion to rebuild the water infrastructure and replace all the nation's lead pipes. So nothing's uh, more evident than, than following the, the story in Flint, Michigan, uh, where you know that the lead pipes poisoned the population, lawsuits, uh, boil, you know, uh, the, the lack of clean water. Uh, so uh, th this is just something that's been brewing for a long, long time in the United States. <clears throat> and they're going to spend the money, hopefully, to bring that back up to up to par. Uh, actually, probably think that one's not enough to deal with their whole issue there, but at least it's a start. Uh, as we see that as a, uh, a bigger, bigger problem, as you have that aging lead pipe problem down uh, in the U.S. And, and, and in Canada as well. Not as big, obviously, in Canada, but it's still a problem. Uh, 100 billion is going to uh, new public schools and upgrading existing facilities, and 12 billion of that going to states. Uh, for them to use towards their infrastructure for community colleges. So just investing in education, always a good idea. Uh, and again, we're going to see uh, further down here. Uh, part of that is to move people to those new, you know, moving uh, the educational programs uh, to take them to some of those new jobs, some of those new areas. You know, it's funny, we ask kids, you know, when they're five and six, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we always get the funny answers. But the answers they're given are always based on jobs that exist today. Well, had you asked me when I was five years old, um, you know, you, some, of the, some of the people, social media manager, I would have never known jobs existed, right? There's a lot of jobs that are going to exist tomorrow that don't exist today. So make sure, making sure the educational system is guiding kids to future opportunities and not towards legacy uh, opportunities that, you know, might not last their lifetime. Uh, and this is really true, uh, especially in smaller communities that are usually based around one sector. You know, we have that issue in northern BC, of course, you know, some uh, some communities completely driven by the lumber industry. Uh, if the lumber industry is suffering, of course, that whole community suffers because uh, there's no other jobs and, and people for generations are, you know, have only been trained or only sought opportunity in that particular sector. So uh, even more so in the US, uh, as, as I mentioned, when we look at industries like coal and oil and gas uh, as it shifts. Uh, $100 billion in uh, order to give every American access to affordable, reliable, high-speed uh, broadband. Uh, and this has been brought to the forefront again by the pandemic for educational purposes. It's been vital for, uh, for the kids to be able to get access to teachers and classes online or even resources. Uh, but also for workers, you know, we, we've seen people remote working uh, and more and more people can remote work. So all of a sudden you don't have to live in the big cities to, to work for, uh, you know, the big companies. You could work remotely, but you need to access to that broadband. So another important investment. 
100 billion going to the workforce development to help uh, you know dislocated workers and that goes back to those smaller communities uh, to assist underserved groups uh, get students on the on career paths that have opportunity for them even before that they graduate high school so a lot of money going into education of existing workforces who are looking to change careers uh, either by force or just because they you know they're looking for better or newer opportunities uh, but also uh, expanding that, that education, even at the high school level or, or earlier to, uh, to look beyond kind of the, the, the legacy industries of the legacy jobs. So again, really looking at that future investment into a workforce that is going to be at the forefront uh, of cutting edge technology. And of course, 18 billion to modernize the, uh, the Veterans, Affair, Veterans Affairs hospitals and 10 billion to modernize federal buildings. And this is just normal infrastructure spending. The VA hospitals uh, have traditionally been um, massively underfunded, uh, and this goes back, you know, not to pick on any administration, even going back to uh, Obama's administration, it was an issue. Um, you know, they made a big deal of doing a big investigation and trying to figure out what they, what needed to be spent uh, there. Um, so, you know, just seeing some money going towards that is positive, and and hopefully moving things forward. Uh, how are they going to pay for this? Well, they're proposed to bring back a, uh, or increase corporate tax to 28% and a minimal uh, global tax of 21%, uh, placing a 15% levy on uh, book income for the largest corporations. Um, so basically what this is, we've talked about it before, but in, in the US, uh, corporations have a habit of uh, stashing money globally and not paying taxes in the United States. So they move they move revenues, they move profits to uh, different jurisdictions that pay much lower taxation uh, and, and, and kind of not pay, not paying their, call it their, their dues uh, in, in the United States. So this is moving to uh, a global minimum. This is actually well received in the economic world, um, it, you know, on, especially on a global front. Obviously in the US, there's some pushback, but on a global front, uh, it's seen as a positive. A lot of countries do this. Uh, and, and, you know, taken from, you know, not saying taken from the rich, but taken from profits um, that don't get invested back into the economy. Uh, you know, a lot of this is rolling back some tax cut that the last administration put through uh, that was supposed to, you know, create jobs, create, uh, create strength in the economy. Um, really didn't. What it did was padded the savings accounts of corporations. Uh, you know, a lot of money uh, flowed through into, you um, uh, into uh, stock buyback plans, which you know, sure is good for sh uh, shareholders in some cases, uh, but it's not creating jobs, it's not stimulating the economy. In fact, you're eroding those things. So, uh, so all these things fairly positive. What it means for investing? Well, as you saw in the last, uh, you know, the last list of things that uh, that's going to be invested into, uh, there's a lot of uh, opportunity in infrastructure investing, a lot of um, in equipment uh, investing. Uh, a lot of opportunity in technology investing, especially when we talk about clean technology. So that's where we, you know, really are going to focus in the United States for 2021 uh, and into 2022 as, as this money flows into those sectors. Uh, and hopefully that they're successful in creating those jobs, which will, of course, you know, drive the economy into future growth. Uh, so that's what we're seeing so far. Obviously, this is up for change as the negotiations move through. Uh, the Senate uh, to get uh, get some of this approved or all of it approved. 
and see how that plays out. So we'll keep you on, on the forefront of that. I also wanted to mention on the, the news uh, last night, of course, uh, Air Canada has struck a deal with uh, the Canadian government for a support package, um, which is going to involve them raising, uh, raising some stock uh, and, and, and issuing some warrants to the Canadian government in, in return for, I believe the number was about a $5.9 billion um, line of credit, basically, or, or credit uh, access to credit uh, to uh, shore up the airline industry in Canada. So uh, the details were just fresh out yesterday, but we'll take a look at more of that and what that stock issuing is going to look like uh, as, uh, as they roll that out today and tomorrow. So with that, as always, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, do visit us at mikeonmoney.com if you have any questions or you'd like to uh, give a suggestion for topics. Uh, it's a beautiful sunny week in BC. We are allowed outside, so do get out there and enjoy it. Uh, hopefully uh, you can uh, at least enjoy it in, uh, in your own patios uh, and, and hopefully uh, you can get your vaccines in the days to come. Talk to everyone soon. Thank you.